Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So today, uh, today I want to share a few thoughts with you from Matthew chapter 14. That's where we're going to be primarily today. Um, and... Uh, we're going to talk at the end of our worship experience. So those of you that are watching online, I want, to, I want to ask you to do me a favor. When we get to the portion where we're doing the invitation and we're praying, that's where a lot of times people that are watching online start logging off. They, they are done. And I want to encourage you, don't do that because we've got an update from a ministry partner. Uh, we want to share some things with a ministry that we're partnering with. So please, 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 if you're watching online, stick around at the conclusion. At, at what normally would be the end of the service, stick around after that because we don't want you to miss what's going on. We, we're, we partner with a, a ministry called Feed One. You probably got a card like this when you came in today. And if you're watching online, there's an opportunity for you to partner with Feed One as well. Um, they're going to give you some links there that'll show you how to do that. But we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, but I want to share a passage with you from Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, well, let me back up. Matthew chapter 13, um, Jesus had gone to Nazareth and he was doing some ministry there. And it said that he spoke in the synagogue. And when he did, it said the people were amazed. They were amazed by what he said. They were amazed by what he did. But it also said that um, they were they were not happy about him. They were offended by Jesus because they said, isn't this the guy who grew up in this area? Didn't he apprentice with his dad? This guy, this kid built my deck and now he's trying to preach to us? Who does he think he is? We know his sisters, right? There were probably some people who said, I changed his diaper when he was a baby. Who does he think he is? And so what it says is at the end of Matthew 13, that Jesus didn't perform many miracles in that area because of their disbelief. So because of their bias against Jesus and how God would move, they didn't receive many miracles, which is a whole nother sermon in and of itself. So Jesus leaves there, and you can imagine, uh, if you were rejected by people you've known your whole life and people you're familiar with, the people you've loved, how dejecting that might be. And so he leaves there, and uh, he, he goes on with ministry and he gets word that his cousin and his, the forerunner to his ministry, John the Baptist, has been killed. And so John the Baptist uh, is killed. His disciples, his disciples uh, get his body, they bury him, and they come to Jesus and say, hey, we need to let you know that John's been killed. And so at this point, Jesus has been rejected by his own people. He has uh, lost his cousin and somebody he was very close to. They were very close to age, um, probably grew up together. And so we forget that Jesus is a human being. At this point, he, he must have been heartbroken. He must have been so sad, so frustrated, uh, so disappointed. And it says that he retreats away. He goes off by himself. And, and this is what I love. Broken people are looking for Jesus, even if they don't know they're looking for Jesus. And broken people began to seek Jesus out and they figured out where he was and they went and found him. And Jesus uh, doesn't respond and say, don't you people know I need a break? Don't you people know that I'm tired? He, he sees the people and scripture says he has compassion on them and he begins to heal them. He begins to pray for them and they're healed. And this is where we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. And it says this, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So Jesus had been ministering, he'd been preaching. 
And I want you to know something. When Jesus preached, people got their money's worth. There were some indications that when Jesus would preach, he literally would preach for four to five to six hours at a time. And people would just sit and listen to him. So if you think I'm long-winded with my 45-minute messages, eh-eh. If you, people would literally bring food when Jesus was preaching because they knew we're going to be here a while. If you didn't stop by McDonald's and bring it with you on the way here, count yourself fortunate, right? Because you know you're getting out of here a decent hour. So his disciples come to him and they go, Jesus, hey, listen, man, um, this is wonderful. You're, you're such a great preacher. You're doing such a wonderful job. And think about it this way. What if, what if I was preaching and in about hour four of my message, Pastor Ricky comes up here on stage. Excuse me, excuse me. Pastor Mo, man, this is such a good sermon. It's really good. I mean it. But I'm concerned about the people. The people might be getting hungry. I mean, I'm not worried. I could listen to this all day long. It's so good. But the people might be getting a little hungry. And if they're getting hungry, it's probably better for us to send them off to find some food. You know what I mean? Like, let's just wrap it up and send them off to find some food. Because it's for the people. It's not for us. Again, the staff, we would stay here forever. And this is what Jesus says, Matthew 14, 16. Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. So again, imagine me saying, nope, we're not leaving. We're just going to eat what we've got. Ricky goes, okay. And so what Ricky does, he goes around the room and he starts gathering up whatever you've got, remnants of food in your purses, in your pockets, whatever. You, so he, he comes back and he's like, Pastor Mal, I got good news. We got some food here. I'm like, great, what do we got? He says, we've got, um, we, we've got um, four four little cheese uh, animal crackers and a Slim Jim out of your beard and uh, some Jolly Ranchers. Because he's thinking there's no way we're going to stick around because that is not enough food for these people, right? And this is what happened. They said, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, right? This is going to get them. There's no way all these people can eat this food. We can't divvy it up. Jesus said, bring them here. And he said, uh, then he tells the people to sit down in the grass. Jesus took the five loaves, the two fish, looked up toward heaven, blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. So Ricky comes to me, Pastor Mel, we've got these uh, animal crackers and we've got some Jolly Ranchers and we've got the Slim Jim that came from your beard. And I said, that's fantastic. That's more than enough. Bring it to me. I'm going to pray for it. We're going to bless it. We're going to distribute those out among the people. Which sounds crazy, right? That sounds insane. And this is what happened. They had five loaves of bread, two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. So after he took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it back to the disciples, he gives it to the disciples for them to distribute to the thousands that were there. It says they all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So what this is saying is about 5,000 households were fed that day. And so estimates are between 15 and 20,000 people were fed by the five loaves and two fishes. Now, a couple things we can learn from this. Number one, Jesus likes leftovers. Praise God. Is there any other people who like to eat leftovers in the house? I like leftovers. There's some food I think it really does take better, taste better the second day after it's like, oh yeah, right? 
It's like got a coating on it or something. It's just better. I don't know what it is. I'll put just about any leftover in a tortilla, by the way. It's like, what is that, meatloaf? Yeah, throw it in a tortilla. It'll be perfect. We're like, I'll do anything. I don't care. My girls do not eat leftovers. I'm the only leftover eater in my house. But now I've got ammunition that Jesus liked leftovers, okay? So Jesus liked leftovers. The other thing we see is this. Which is the, I want you to catch this today. Jesus took the little. He took the, the, the inadequate. He took the insufficient. He took the tiny amount that there was no hope that it would feed the crowd. He took the little and he did the miraculous with it. And so many people say, Jesus, you can't use me because I'm not enough. Jesus, you can't use my life. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not white enough. I'm not whatever it might be. I'm not the right gender. I'm not the right ethnicity. I'm not, they're saying, I'm not enough. I've got too little of whatever it is I'm supposed to have in order to do what you've called me to do. And this is what I want you to see. In Jesus's hands, he will take our little and use it for his glory. That's what he does. He's the master of this. And really what I want to share with you today are just principles for multiplication. If, if you want God to multiply your life for his glory, this is a process. And we see this in verse 19. What did he do? He took the loaves and fish. He blessed them. He broke them into pieces. Then he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed to the people. These four things, we see this pattern in Scripture. In fact, we see this again at the Last Supper in Matthew 26, 26. It says, as they're eating, Jesus took the bread. He took the bread. He blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And what we see is the bread wasn't multiplied in that moment, but what was multiplied was their endeavors for God's glory. Because it was just... A, literally a few days later, about a month and a half later from this point that, that the, the day of Pentecost happened, that the Holy Spirit descended, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Jesus multiplied their efforts in this moment. And I believe there's a, a principle for multiplication, that, that we don't want God just to add to our lives. We want to be used for God's glory. We want God to multiply what he's given us for his glory. So what does that look like? Well, the first thing is this. Took. Jesus took the bread. The word in the Greek here is lambano, and lambano means to receive what is given, to gain, to get, obtain, to get back. Um, I've got two daughters in my home, and I grew up with a sister who's five years older than me. And when I hear the word took, that was a word that was used in our house growing up a lot. He took my cookie. He took my toy. And by the way, I was the baby. So let's be honest. A lot of times if I took it, I probably got to keep it. Let's just be honest. The babies, the families know. We know, right? He took, he took. And, and this is what would happen. Whenever I would take something, very rarely was it passive or gentle. It really wasn't like, oh, okay, thank you, right? It was generally like, mine and run away and hope she wouldn't catch me because she was older than me, right? I took it by force if I had to. And sometimes if we're not careful, we might apply 
that context of this passage that Jesus took the bread. And I want you to hear this. Jesus didn't take the bread the way we think of. He didn't snatch it out of his hand and give that to me. That's not the way it works. In fact, if you look at the definition again, it says to receive what is given. So Jesus received the bread when it was given to him. So I want you to hear this. Jesus never takes anything from us against our will. He will never ever take something for us unless we are willing to give it to him. So this is what happens. We pray prayers like this. Jesus, take away this pain. God, take away this pain. And if you've never prayed that prayer, you haven't lived long enough. We've all prayed this prayer at some point. God, take away this pain. And I think there are times that Jesus maybe seems to be reluctant to take away our pain. We're like, what is the deal? I hurt, take this pain away. And Jesus doesn't take anything from us. He will receive it from us willingly if we will give it. But the problem is so many times there are things that we hold on to that we pray, God, take this pain, but, but maybe we've come, become accustomed to being a victim. So maybe we actually kind of like our pain. We like being associated with, with uh, the pain and, and what it means, and now I get some attention. Now, does that make sense? So what happens is we hold on to the pain, and we go, Jesus, take my pain. We'll let go of it. We go, no, I don't want to. And if you were here last week, Pastor Gerald Brooks talked about this a little bit. And if you missed it, I would tell you, go back and listen. He, he talked about how if, if we want our car fixed, we've got to leave it with the mechanic. Sometimes we don't leave our issues with God. It's the same kind of idea. I think sometimes, especially in the context of the world we live in today, fear is rampant in the world we live in. There's so much fear. And I think we say, God, help me not be afraid. Take away my fear. But the reality is we kind of like being afraid. We kind of like the feeling. We kind of like what it means. And we're comfortable in our fear. We're comfortable in our pain. We're comfortable in our bitterness. We're comfortable in our unforgiveness. So we can say, God, take away my unforgiveness, but we don't want to let go of it. And God will not take anything out of our hands. Jesus won't snatch it out of our hands, but he will receive it willingly if we'll give it to him. So what are you holding on to? What is it that Jesus wants to take, but you're not letting him take? The second thing is he blessed it. The word for blessed in the Greek is eulogeo, and it's where we get the word eulogy. And it means to praise or to celebrate. If you've ever been to a funeral, the eulogy a lot of times is where uh, people will say nice things about the deceased. And I've done plenty of funerals, and I've done a few that it was kind of tough to find something good to say about the deceased. Have you ever been to one of those funerals where the preacher starts talking and you're like, Am I at the wrong place? <laughs> Did he even know this guy? Because this does not sound like the guy I knew, right? So what happens? Well, they say nice things about the person. What do they, they sing their praises. That's, that's what eulogio means. It means to praise. Uh, but what it also means is to consecrate a thing with solemn prayers. And this is what Jesus was doing. So when Jesus... He took the bread and then he blessed it. What he's doing is he's saying, I'm consecrating this. I'm setting apart for a holy purpose. He's saying, God, this isn't bread that we're just gonna eat before we eat our meal. Because come on, don't you like going to a restaurant that has 
that has bread. They bring out a loaf of bread before you eat the meal. Like, you know you're in a good place. Whenever they bring you a loaf of bread, you're like, praise Jesus for bread, right? <laughs> so Jesus wasn't just blessing the bread going, we're gonna eat some bread. Let's, thank you, Jesus, for bread. Like, that's not what it was. What he's saying is this bread is gonna be used for a holy purpose. It's being set apart for something important, for something valuable. And, and so he, he, he prays for it. He consecrates it. And, and when it's consumed, I believe what he's saying is, this is going to be used to fuel people for my purposes and my plans, to do things for my glory. But it's interesting because in this moment, Jesus blessed it, but Jesus can't bless what he hasn't received. Jesus can't bless what he hasn't received. He took the bread, he received it when they gave it to him, and then he blessed it. The problem is many of us are praying for God to bless things that we don't trust God to hold in his hands. <laughs> I'm gonna get in your business a little today. And it's too late, you can't leave, we've locked the doors. <laughs> we'll say things like, God bless my marriage. God bless my marriage. I, I would, but you haven't trusted me with your marriage. You haven't put it in my hands. Go, but yeah, I got blessed my marriage. Yeah, put it in my hands. Trust me with it and I'll bless it. We keep praying that prayer. God bless my kids. God bless my kids. God goes, you don't trust me with your kids. You've never put your kids in my hands. So how would I bless them? I've told you before, as a youth pastor for years, I would have people show up with a 16, 17, 18-year-old child that has had never been around, never come to church, never come to my youth ministry, and they would say something like, would you please fix my kid? Can you please do something about my child? And I would do my best, but the reality is I would tell them, I don't want to sound... Hopeless, but I really needed your kid in youth when they were 11, not when they're 19. Because now it's almost too late. And what they're saying is, God bless my kid, but, but I'm not gonna trust you with my kid until the worst possible moment. Until it's hit rock bottom. That's when I'm gonna start trusting you with my child. And this is what I wanna help you with. If you're praying, God bless my children, Put your kids in God's hands. How do you put your kids in God's hands? Why don't you start talking to your kids about the things of God and not just leaving that to Pastor Ricky or Pastor Christina? Why don't you talk to them about the Bible? Why don't you share your faith with them? And maybe you don't feel like you can. Maybe start setting a pattern for faith in your home. Maybe start praying. Maybe start valuing the things of God. This is what we do. And we're putting our kids in God's hands in this moment. Why don't you bring your child to youth ministry on Wednesday night? I've had people say, well, Pastor Mel, I don't want to make my kid come to youth. Well, you make them go to school. You make them go to the doctor. Why in the world wouldn't you make them come to youth ministry? If it's important, if their spiritual life is important. This is one of the things I think we can do to keep from paying the emergency prayer when they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. We, we train up a child in the way they should go and see God work. We trust, trust God with our kids. Say, God, bless our kids. I've put them in your hands. 
I got bad news for you. I'm not done with this part yet. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Maybe you're paying bills at the end of the month and you're writing out checks and you're looking and you start doing the math and you're like, oh no, right? I've got too much month left at the end of my paycheck. Uh, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. And then you start getting really holy in that moment, right? You, you become very pious. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father that art in heaven, henceforth I will tithe unto thee every weekend, right? You're praying in the King James because it's even more spiritual if you do that. You get panicked, don't you? How are we gonna pay our bills? What are we gonna do? And you start praying, Jesus, bless my finances. Oh, Jesus, I, I heard that story one time where you multiplied the bread. Do the same thing with my money, please, in the name of Jesus. In the account, let it just propagate. It's just it's popping up in my account. Please, whatever you gotta do, right? Bless my finances. Jesus says, you've never put it in my hands. You never trusted me with your finances. In fact, you've kept me out of your finances. But now you want me to bless your finances. That's not how God works. Um, so we unapologetically talk about finances because finances are a big part of your life. Finances are a huge part of why people get divorced. Finances are a big part of your life. Jesus talks about your possessions often in scripture. So we think it's a big deal. Now, we talk about generosity a lot. We want you to live generously. We want you to be a blessing to the world. We think that's one of the ways the world sees God is through our generosity. So we encourage that. But I want you to hear this. Blessing in regard to our finances is connected to a tithe. And if, if, if you don't know, I'm, I'm not trying to speak down to you. I want you to hear this. The tithe, according to scripture, is the first 10% of our income. Okay. It is not 10% overall, it is the first 10. Because God is first and he will not be anything other than first. Okay, he is preeminent. So it's the first 10% of our income. Now, we've told people, I've said from stage, if, if you can't tithe, start with 1% and work your way up. 2%, whatever, and work your way up to the tithe. Because according to scripture, a tithe is the baseline for generosity. Okay? But the tithe is where the blessing lies because that's where obedience is. And so if we tip, if you're somebody who drops a five in the offering box, thank you, I appreciate that. If you're somebody who has a recurring gift online, $5 a week, praise God, thank you for that. But I'm telling you for your sake, the blessing lies in the tithe. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you that because we're short on cash. We're doing very, very well financially. I'm telling you that because you're robbing yourself of an opportunity to be blessed. Because when you pray the prayer, God bless my finances, if you're not operating at the first 10%, he can't because you're not trusting him with your finances. You're not putting it in his hand. Okay? <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm telling you, I'm getting all up in your business today. But I want you to be blessed. And this is what blessing means. Blessing doesn't mean if you give 10% of your income, you're, you're gonna get a $50,000 a year raise. It's not like one of those things we see on televangelists on TV where they say, if you send 100, God's gonna send you 1,000. That is not how it works. I wanna help you with this. If you're watching that guy, turn it off. It is not real, okay? God's gonna bless you. That is promised in scripture. It does not mean you're gonna get a tenfold or a hundredfold check. What it means is maybe God's gonna open up a door for a relationship. Maybe God's gonna bless you with health. Maybe God's gonna, he's gonna bless you 
but it's probably not gonna be a $100,000 check in the mail. You're not gonna win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstake if you start tithing. That's not how this thing works. We don't give to get. We give because we love God and God blesses those who are obedient to him. So what happens? Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it. Next, we see that he breaks the bread. He, he broke it. Klao is the word that's used here in the Greek for break. And it's used 15 times in the New Testament. Every single time it's used in regard to bread, breaking bread. Now, this is the thing that's interesting. Uh, I told you I love going to restaurants with bread. I like it when they have the big piece and you get to cut up your own. In my family, my girls think they're doing me a favor when they leave the heels for me. I, I eat them because nobody else does. So they're like, dad, I left you the heel. I'm like, wow, that's so generous of you to leave me the worst piece of bread on the whole loaf. Not just one, but two. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Um, but I like it because you can cut it as big as you want, right? You can divide it up. You, you, can, you can break it. When I was a kid, my sister, uh, my mom had this rule. This is a pro tip. If you've got kids, this is a pro tip. My, my mom had this rule. If there was a piece of something, like a piece of cake, that there was one piece left and we were gonna divide it for me and my sister, one of the siblings got to divide it and the other sibling got to choose which piece they wanted. You gotta believe, if you were the one cutting, you were gonna be careful. I hated cutting, I always wanted to be the picker. So what would happen is I would be the one cutting and it was like a scene off of a movie. Like I'd get the knife in my hand and my hand would be quivering and like there's sweat running down my brow. Like I'm shaking as I'm cutting it because I'm like, oh, I gotta get this right. Because if I get this off, she's picking the bigger piece, right? So what happens when, when it's broken? Well, it's, it's distributed, it's given out. And that's the point of breaking. The point of breaking is that it's used, that it's multiplied, that it's distributed, not just for a person. It's one piece of bread for one person. No, no, no. We're breaking it so that multiple people can benefit from it. Last night, uh, before the worship experience, before Saturday night service, I, I was talking to somebody. She was walking through the door and, and I stopped and I just said, hey, how are you doing? And we had this conversation. Such a great conversation. And this person was just honest with me. So here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what's going on. And for most people, this would have been like, why are you even at church, man? This is some bad stuff. Like I would be home with my head under the covers. Like, and this person just tells me what's going on in their lives. And this person says, but you know what? God's gonna use this. This is just part of my story. And I know God's gonna use it. It's just another thing that God's gonna use for my story for his glory. And I thought in the midst of this person's brokenness, they understand what God's trying to do. They understand that I don't like this. I don't, I'm not comfortable in this, but in this breaking, God's gonna use it. And this is what I want you to know. God uses brokenness for his glory. When things are broken, he'll use it. Jesus will break things so that he can, they can be used for a greater purpose. So if you are going through a breaking process, I want you to know he's not doing that because he's angry at you. He's doing that because he wants to, to use you in a greater way. And the last thing is this, he gave. Um, the, the word gave here, it's didome. And didome means to give something to someone, to entrust something to someone, or uh, something to be administered. So what Jesus did is he he takes the bread, he blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, and then he gives it to the disciples for them to distribute. Now, when he gave it to the disciples, it hadn't multiplied yet. It didn't get multiplied till they actually started distributing it out. 
So I want you to hear this. When Jesus gives us something, the goal of him giving us something is never our pleasure or our comfort. Now that might be a side effect, but Jesus doesn't give us things just so we'll be happy, just so we'll be comfortable. He gives us things so that we will be entrusted with them, so we'll administer those things for his glory. When Jesus put the bread in his disciples' hands, it wasn't for them to consume, it was for them to distribute. And in the distribution, it multiplied. In the distribution, as they blessed the people with bread and fish, that the gift multiplied. That's when things changed. So many of us say, God, use me. God, use what you've given me. But, but we're not giving it away. Our time, our talent, our ability, our finances, our knowledge. These are things that, that we hoard and keep back. And God says, I want to multiply it, but it's not multiplied until you start distributing it. I'm giving you this to, to expand my kingdom. I'm giving you this for my glory. Will you administer it? Will you be entrusted with this in a way that, that brings me glory. Can, can you imagine, maybe you were the person who brought the loaves and fishes that day and you thought, man, I know Jesus preaches forever, so I'm bringing a sack lunch. Then you got there and Pastor Ricky came and stole your sack lunch. Can you imagine as it's being broken up, you're like, man, I'm not gonna get any of that, right? All of my lunch is going to all these freeloaders. You remember what happens at the end of the story? At the end of the story, the person who started with a sack lunch ends up with more food than they can consume. They get all they can eat and then some. Remember, and there's 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards. See, this person had to give. They had to say, I have a little bit, but in the hands of the master, it can be used for his glory. And, and in that, this person got back more than they brought, more than they gave. And Jesus always gives us more than he takes. Always. Jesus always gives you more than he takes from you. At the end of the story, it's not a sacrifice to give what Jesus is asking us to give. It's not a sacrifice to give our time or our talent or our finances or our lives because Jesus always gives us more than what he takes. The reality is, maybe you're here today and you feel like, I'm religious, I go to church, I'm here, aren't I? I'm watching online, whatever the case may be, but the reality is maybe you've never really trusted God with your life. Maybe you've never placed your life in his hands. Your eternity, your faith, you've held on to that. And you're religious because you go to church and you pray, but, but the reality is he's not really your Lord and Savior because you've never really trusted him with it. And I want to challenge you in this. Today's your day that you say, God, take my life. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you and you're going to receive it willingly from me. So I want to pray with you. If that's you, there's no condemnation at all. But I just want to give you an opportunity. So I want every person in this place to bow your head and close your eyes. I want us to pray together. 
God, thank you that you are a good God, that you're a gentleman, and you don't wrestle things out of our hands, but you will take what we give you willingly. So God, I pray generally in this room for people that are dealing with pain and hurt and heartache and disappointment, that are dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness and failures. God, I thank you that you are ready to receive whatever we'll give you. God, I pray today would be the day we'd surrender all those things to you. I pray that we wouldn't hold on to any of that, but Lord, we would give it to you today. God, I pray specifically for those that have maybe held on to their their eternities, their salvation, their, their, their destinies. Lord, I pray that they would release it to you today, put it in your hands and trust you with it. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you're a good father, that we can know you and love you and that you love us. God, open up our hearts to trust you today like never before. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, I'm not really serving God. I've never really trusted him with my eternity, but I know I need to. So today, I wanna make him Lord. I wanna trust him with my whole life, with everything I am. I wanna make him Lord. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me. Yeah, thank you on my left. Yeah, thank you up in the balcony on my right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you on my left. I see you, ma'am. Praise God. Yeah, another hand, two more hands on my right. Praise God. Awesome. Who else? wants to join these and say, pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to trust him with everything. Yeah, thank you in the center section. The word of God tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so I want to, I want to pray this prayer with you. And I want you to say this out loud, but I want you to confess it from the core of who you are, from your very heart. So say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I repent of my sins and I give you my life. I'm placing it in your hands and I'm asking you to be my Lord. I'm never going back to my old life. From now on, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture tells us um, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. And we would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey and begin to grow. So there's a couple things you can do. You can either fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. Uh, on one side of the card, it says salvation. And when you leave here, you can stop by the information center, give it to them, and they're gonna give you a new Bible and they're gonna give you some information to help you take the next step. If you can't reach one of the cards or if you're more comfortable, you can simply text the word different to the number 94000. When you do that, um, we're gonna respond back to you and we're gonna get some information in the mail to you to help you take the next step as well. And that goes for those of you watching online as well. We would love for you to text us and let us know about the decision you made today. So just text DIFFERENT to 94000 and we're gonna help you take the next step. So thank you so much for, for making that decision today. Um, today, I mentioned at the beginning of our worship experience, uh, we wanna highlight a ministry called Feed One. 
And in just a moment, I'm gonna come back up and ask you to take this card out. We're gonna talk about it uh, for just a few minutes. But Feed One is an incredible organization. It is uh, part of Convoy of Hope. And what Feed One does is it literally feeds kids all over the world. And what it does is it partners with churches like ours for a specific area. So for us, we actually partner with uh, a a town in Haiti called Cabaret. And Cabaret is north of Port-au-Prince around the coast. And we have um, about 300, let me look at what the number is, 315 kids that are currently fed every single month. They receive food, clean drinking water, uh, education, and they hear about Jesus because people in our church are giving $10 a month for that. Um, let me just share this with you. Since the beginning of the year, our church has given $35,830 to make sure kids in Cabaret have enough food to eat every single day, that they can have clean drinking water and be healthy. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, you can give God a round of applause. That's incredible. Since we started this partnership with Feed One just a few years ago, our church, just our church, has given to Cabaret Haiti $251,000 to make sure kids have enough food to eat there. And I just wanna say thank you for that. Like I said, we have 315 people that are currently, um, that are currently sponsoring kids. And so we wanna just tell you about this ministry and ask you to consider doing the same thing for $10 a month. So if you would, I want you to take a look at this story from a young lady in Ethiopia who's directly impacted by Feed One's ministry. I've seen that video five times now and I get teary-eyed every time. I just love how she says, with God's help, I'll make a difference. And we see where she's at and her need, but she's the one saying, with God's help, I'll make a difference. You know, I, I began the message today by saying, a little bit put in God's hand, a, a little thing, maybe a lack put in God's hand can be used in amazing ways. And today what we're asking you to do is say, I can support one child in Cabaret Haiti for $10 a month. And $10 a month, you might look at that in your budget and go, I don't know if I can afford that. So maybe it's not about what you add, but maybe it's about what you take away. Maybe, maybe you say, I'm not gonna go to Starbucks a couple times because that's basically two Starbucks trips. Or maybe I'm not gonna go stop by that fast food place and get the meal that I normally get that costs about 10 bucks. For one stop at a fast food place, you can pay for a child to eat for an entire month in Cabaret 80, $10 a month. So what would you be willing to sacrifice? I know several families in our church who have said, I've got two kids, so I wanna support two kids in Haiti. Or I've got three kids, whatever the number is, and they use that as a baseline. But for you, I just want you to say, God, what would you have me do? And then be obedient, be obedient to that. Just do what he asks you to do. And, and, and basically, I just wanna walk through this card with you so you can know how to fill it out. On this side of the card, it has personal information. And I want you to know what happens with this is this is going to go in the envelope. You're gonna seal it and we will never open it. We will never seal it, uh, see it. It's gonna go tomorrow. It's gonna be mailed out to Convoy of Hope. It's gonna be secured. You don't have to worry about your information. But you'll fill out this information. And then if you're new to this, you check the top box that says, I wanna give monthly. And then you can fill out which you would like to do. Or if there's another amount, you can. If you've been giving already and you would like to add to the number of kids that you already give for, uh, then you would check that second box that says, I wanna update my information. You can check that box and then put the number of kids you wanna add to what you already do. So if you already 
uh, give $20 a month for two children and you wanna add two, just put two on here and that will add to what you're already doing. If, if you'd like, the office staff, Feed One has said, if you're not sure, just fill in, like write it in the, in the margin there and they're gonna see that. And if they've got a question, they can reach out to you and talk about it. But fill the information out, ask God, what would you have me do? And then be obedient to that. On the back side of this card, this is where you can fill out your credit or debit card information. And what happens is this is gonna be debited automatically from your account every single month. So you're not gonna get an invoice or anything like that. Uh, but what you're doing is making a difference. And this is the thing, this isn't $10 a month. This is a child's life that's being transformed. And I firmly believe as we are impacting kids in cabaret, it's going to end up changing a nation for the glory of God. And so here's what's gonna happen right now. The worship team's gonna lead us in one final song. And I wanna encourage you, if you're not filling out a card, uh, why don't you stand and worship with us? If you are filling out that card, when you're done, why don't you stand and worship with us? And in just a moment, we're done singing, I'm gonna come back up and we're gonna pray and we're gonna be dismissed. So why don't you take a couple minutes, fill this card out and, uh, and let's worship together while we're doing so. We're gonna be dismissed in just a moment after we pray. But what I wanna ask you to do is uh, grab this card. If you've got to sit on your seat, whatever it is, grab the card and we're gonna pray for the child on the other end of this card because this is a soul. This is a human being that desperately needs what we're offering today, what we're able to supply. So we're gonna pray for them. And then when we're dismissed in just a moment, you can take your cards out. And if you didn't fill a card out, it's okay. Leave your the blank cards in your seats. But if you fill the card out, take your card and you can drop it. There are boxes as you're exiting the building today. Drop it in one of those boxes. And we'll collect those in just a minute. I do wanna remind you, uh, Bob Santos is out in the lobby. They've got books available. Please stop by there. And then while we're praying our dismissal prayer, our prayer team and our staff, some of our pastors are gonna be here at the front of the room to pray with you. So as we're being dismissed, if you need prayer for any reason, feel free to come forward, find one of our prayer team members, one of our staff, let them agree with you. If you just wanna sit in your seat and pray, uh, stay in the room and pray for a little bit, that's okay too. Uh, the band is gonna continue to play a little bit. So grab your card and let's just pray for the child on the other side of this card. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity we have to be able to, to bless someone that we may never see on this side of eternity. Lord, thank you for the children that are gonna be blessed by the gifts today, by the generosity displayed by this church today. I pray that you would multiply it. I pray that it would impact a generation. Lord, I pray that it would change a nation for your glory. Lord, I pray that the, the simple things we can do, the little things that we're putting in your hands are, are gonna have a huge benefit for your kingdom and for your glory. So God, we, com we commend this to you. We ask you to use it. We ask you to transform lives and be a blessing to people we may never see. Have your way with it. Be glorified through it. Change Haiti for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in this place and what you're going to continue to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I love you more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a great week.